Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw. First and down. Back to keep his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done it. 22 to Raja. It's all the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. What is going on? Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell and Rajah Bell. Debo's back in South Florida, so is Hannah Ostapchuk. I am in Orlando, just getting ready to grind it out over the weekend for some celebrity golf. I got to tell <laughs> you guys, I feel really weird. I feel really weird when I'm walking around around all these Hall of Famers, and I'm just like the ex-NFL scrub. <laughs> I'm like, what am I doing here with some of these dudes? But Playing better golf. Time. Yeah. So everybody's golfing. It's a good time. How are you guys doing? Good. Happy Friday. Awesome. Wait, it's Friday, right? It's Friday. Okay. Yeah, it's, I'm so, slow this morning, man. I don't know why. Slow? Yeah. I'm so slow. I ran in here probably two minutes ago. I'm not going to lie. I didn't do my so, hair. Were you guys more excited <laughs> about Camilla Cabello? Havana. Right. Did I say it right, Hannah? Camila Cabello. Camila Cabello, her <laughs> new album, right. or... Justin Timberlake's new album. Which one were Wait, you more excited Justin about? Justin Timberlake dropped his new album or just a single? Just a single, but it's coming out. Okay. Like, you know it's coming. Oh, I don't listen. Justin Timberlake's single was released last week. Let's not be confused. Camila Cabello's said, album was dropped today. Did you say Timberlake or Beaver? <laughs> yes. Justin Timberlake. Oh, Timberlake. Oh, I wouldn't know a Timberlake song. I thought Rihanna what? sang that, like, Havana Unana song. Like, I don't Who know? Who cares? Y'all need a lesson <laughs> in, like, entertainment. I'm still more excited for Cole Beasley's album. Bam! Cole, true. 80 stings. We are off the bench. You're home for all your musical needs and taste. <laughs> all right, but we do, we do do some sports as well. So the Cavs last night, uh, got blown out Toronto. Of course, Drake, speaking of music, was courtside. Although I did notice he was on his cell phone more than, uh, half the game, but the Cavs looked ugly. And Raja, I guess for you, like, how does this happen? Like, is this a team that just kind of takes a night off? Is this where they just decide, you know what, it starts going south, and then they just kind of throw in the towel? No. Um, look, I would, yeah, they take one night off. You get beat by 25 in, in whatever the previous game was. Um, but you double down on that and you get beat last night the way you did. That's not just taking a night off. There's something, there's something going on in that locker room. And I, I, I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know if it's something that festers the whole season. Um, you know, you can hit a patch in a season, NBA specifically, because the season is so long where, you know, there's one relationship in that locker room that's, that's, that's like testy, right? Like if you will, like somebody's beefing with somebody, uh, both of them mean a lot to your team and things can be off the rails for a few games. And then, and then you figure it out. You're family. So you get back on the same page. And like, I haven't spoken to my sister in three weeks. We're fighting, right? But, <laughs> We love each other and like in another week or so we'll talk. Sometimes that happens in NBA locker rooms. Um, there's something there. I don't know what it is. I expected them to struggle offensively. Like when you were introduced Isaiah Thomas and we, we had it on the show a few weeks ago and I said that in the long run, it's going to be great for them offensively. But you've just, you can't be short sighted and you can't fall into like, well, they look like garbage right now. Cause clearly it's not working right now. He was one for 15. He's like 0 for 11 in his last two first halves. But he's coming off of like four, five, six months of inactivity trying to figure out, you know, how he fits into the offense. That's going to look a mess. But you can't give up 133 points. You cannot give up 133 points to a Raptors team without their starting point guard, Kyle Lowry, and without um, Serge Ibaka. Like, that's inexcusable. 
uh, for whatever team is playing against them on that that night, especially and more unforgivably a team that is vying for a championship or considers themselves a championship contender. They have stuff to figure out on the defensive end of the court. Yeah, and that's because that's all about effort, and that's why I was asking because it looks like they just don't care. And I get it. It's a long season. I get it. It's kind of the post-Christmas, pre-NBA All-Star game doldrums where you might not be there. But I'm with you. The Isaiah Thomas experiment, which everybody was raving about when he had that first game back and he went off and he had 17 points, 19 minutes, I think it's very much going to take some time for them to figure out his role what happens? How does the spacing work? Who gets the ball in a clutch situation if they come down to a game-winning shot? Like, there's a lot of things they have to figure out. But I thought it was interesting that Ty Lu, their head coach, said, quote, that players have agendas. We've got to get rid of our agendas and play the right way. Do you have any idea what he could be alluding to there? Um, so if I'm on the outside looking in, right, and I'm looking at the box score right now, um, Isaiah Thomas shot, what did he shoot, 15 shots last night. Okay, he started at 0 for 11. He started <laughs> 0 for 11. Right. He, and, and so, yeah, th- this is exactly what he's talking about. LeBron is the leader of your team. He shot 16 shots, okay? And then typically you have guys like, um, 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 you know, D. Wade, Kyle Korver, um, Kevin Love. They're the next guys to eat. So now you introduce Isaiah Thomas, and he shoots 15 shots. And he's 0 for 11 at one point and keeps squeezing shots. And you've asked Kevin Love, James Crowder, you know, J.R. Smith specifically, D. Wade, Kyle Korver, all to take less on their plate um, and continue to defend. Sometimes there's a resentment for that. I'm just going to be frank. Like sometimes guys who have, have been playing great and have carried your team this year and the Cavs has hit it, had hit a nice stride before IT came back, like all of those guys were playing great. Now he comes back in and you're going to say, all right, all your shots are gone. They're going to go to IT. I need all of you to take 33% less shots so IT can get up the second most shots on the team. People are pissed about that. Like, nobody really wants to do that. Now, that's something they're going to have to buy into for them to be successful, or they'll have to figure out that the right chemistry for that team isn't Isaiah Thomas being the second um, the second fiddle offensively. That'll all sort itself out. But in the immediacy of, like, like right now, those guys are beefing. Like, nobody loves the fact that he just was reinserted in and he's shooting the second amount of shots, even though he's starting off 0 for 11 from the field, and they're not defending. Yeah, typically I would say, ah, it's LeBron's team. They'll figure it out. But I am, there's something different about this squad this year because it looks so different. It's such a different dynamic because of Isaiah Thomas's size. They're just some things I look at them and also Boston and Toronto are playing really well. Ultimately, if you had me to put money on it, I'd be like, yeah, the Cavs are going to make the finals. But I'm starting to wonder if there's some weaknesses there or something going on where not everybody's on the same page. But that'll have to play out. We'll see how that goes. The NBA, um, and I think a lot of people feel that way. That's why when the regular season, when you see the Warriors struggle or Steph's hurt or, uh, you know, whoever has big games, you're kind of like, all right, it'll probably be the Warriors and Cavs. But there has been some other drama in the NBA that's been uh, talked about. One of those things is players versus the refs. We teased it the other day on the pod. We didn't get to it. But the relationship between players and the refs has been crazier than it's ever been. And when I say crazy, I mean bad. Uh, the other night, Chris Paul was called for a tech versus Portland. It was the sixth tech on the year, and he talked about it. He was criticizing the officials. Here's CP3 from the other night. I got a tech tonight. Yeah, Scott Foster at his finals. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just never fails. You know, I got a tech tonight. I'm over there with Courtney saying, that's Scott. That's Scott. And I get a tech. You know what I mean? That's history there. So, Scott, you know, he the man. That's who they pay to see. 
man, you just just gotta hope is you know system in place. You know, just making sure they get checked just as much as we do. Oh, he just skewered Scott Foster, who was voted the uh, league's worst ref in a 2016 survey by the LA Times. Oh boy, do I begin? Um, <laughs> Go back how, to like, your 6-3 rule. Like, I think it I... needs to be instituted. All right. Well, yes. Okay. Here's the deal. There are there are tensions between like refs and players, and some of them are are natural, and some of them are 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 enhanced by the NBA itself. Like the the NBA refs and their and their union, their brass, they don't legislate like laws for interaction between players and refs. They're not the ones that say, okay, if a player says X, Y, and Z, we're going to tech him, or you know, this year we're going to make an effort to like. We're going to make an effort uh, to not let a player question any call by a ref. I mean, there were years where I played where refs would come around in the preseason and tell us, like, we're not going to allow you to approach us this year. If you make an air clap, we're, we're, we're told to tech you up. If you don't disengage from a referee immediately, we're told to tech you up. That comes from the NBA and the optics and the feedback that the NBA get from fans because ultimately fans pay to watch the games. Um, it, it fuels the revenue, and that's how they pay players. So if the NBA and, and – Adam Silver say, hey, fans don't want to see refs running, I mean, players running up in refs' faces and they get that feedback. Well, then they will tell refs, all right, we need you guys to police them more. We need you to not let them get away with X, Y, and Z. So that doesn't come from the, the refs. That comes from the NBA. So that enhances the tensions um, already. Here's the natural enhancement. Most NBA refs were former players. Like, that's what they look for. Like, my sister is a Division One women's referee. And they looked at her to, play, to, do, to be a WNBA ref. The, the number one criteria for that is that she had playing experience and she saw the game like a player. Two players that I, two NBA refs that I played with, one in high school and one, one in college, are, are, are NBA refs, Johnny Goble and Dedrick Taylor. Um, anyone who's ever played basketball at the high school level or at the college level aspire to be NBA players. It's just what you do. Mm-hmm. The very fact that you're not playing in the NBA now says you fell short of that goal. There are yep. some natural tensions there, right? When someone who has achieved that, like we're humans, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a li- there's a modicum of jealousy, of resentment for the fact that maybe you didn't get to do that. So when this guy who has achieved that goal is running up on you, questioning you in your current profession, you are the professional referee. Like there's a quick switch sometimes. It's just it's human nature. Like my sister refed one of my youth um, scrimmages the other day, and she was a biatch. Like I was like, <laughs> who the hell are you? Like you know, like she they turn into this different person when they're on the court. Um, because they have control. Because they have control. Yeah. It's their it's their thing, and and so I get both sides of it. It's a very 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 tough job to do at any level, especially when you're dealing with guys who have perfected the craft of, of cheating and flopping. They're 6'11", 270 pounds. Bodies are colliding. They're moving at speeds that, that, that regular people really can't fathom, jumping over the rim. I mean, it's a really hard job. But having said that, you are not the show. People are there to see these athletes do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would just ask for refs in general to have a little bit of humility about themselves. I don't think that they do that well. Some do. Some are very approachable. We'll have conversations with you. We'll try to diffuse situations is what is what – you know, that's the way I think refs should approach it. And then there are other referees that incite 
you know, situations. They they want to be the show. The Scott Fosters of the world. The the um, Tim, what was his name? Donahue. D- Donahue's of yeah. the world. Uh, at a time, Steve Javi. Sometimes my buddy uh, uh, Joey Crawford, um, who I'm good friends with now. But those guys, they want to be in a confrontation. I don't think that's their place on, on any floor, not alone and not just NBA, but college basketball, pro football. Your job is to control the game. Make sure it's played smoothly. Make sure it's a good product for consumption and basically not be seen unless you have to be seen. Now I see why you and your sister are beefing. <laughs> when the fight was over, now I know. So Draymond came out. He was talking to The Athletic, and he said the friction between refs and players is, quote, ruining the game. I don't know if it's that bad. I think the league's in a pretty good place when you think about the on-court, the problem. But I will say this, because I do feel a lot of it goes on the refs because they do become part of the show. But I also feel like there has to be a mutual respect between the two. And just because you disagree with a call, which is going to happen all the time, I mean, the players sometimes treat the refs as if they're the lowest of the low on earth, which I I think there has to be some give and take on both sides. Don't you think some players deserve some blame for that? that No, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe I should have said that off the bat. Look, if you if you cross a line, you deserve attack. Like what's the line? Well, I mean, look, if you're cursing a ref out. You give him a tech. Like, you're insulting someone's manhood. And I want to be clear about Dedrick Taylor and Johnny Goble, both very good referees. Um, I, I, neither one of those guys wears, wears that, wears that, um, that, uh, that, that on their shoulder the way some referees do. They're both very good. And I agree with you, Danny. Yes, players, like, you, you have to be an adult. You have to be a professional. Like, they've made a call. To some degree, you have to respect it. But referees make a ton of mistakes. Um, you know, and, 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 the, the best refs for me to deal with in an NBA game were ones that if you went up to them, and refs know when they make mistakes. They know when they fabricated the call. Because they admit it, right? They, right. They say, yeah, dude, I, I, I didn't see it, man. I made a mistake on that one. Like, fine. I can live with that. Like, you're, you're a human being, too. I just missed that jump shot. I didn't mean to miss it, but I missed it. Like, we all make mistakes. Um, but the ones that will just tell you you're wrong, put their hand up in your face, walk away, turn their back on you, like there's no need for that. And so the next time you make a call, I may not be as as cool about it. Like I, I'm a competitor too. I, there are millions of dollars at stake for me. So if I consistently feel like I'm getting the short end of the stick and I can't do my job because Scott Foster won't let me do my job, you're taking food off of my family's plate. Like very literally, like if I, if I'm not a very good defender because I get four fouls every time Scott Foster's on the floor, like that's money I don't make. So it's not that easy, you know, but they, they got to figure something out for sure. What'd you do? Cause I, I know in football, a lot of times, a lot of the players, the only conversation they'll have is bitching about the calls. That's the only conversation. Did you try to work the refs at all, either pregame? Cause I know you were an assassin, like you were in that mindset where I'm going to shut everybody down. Like you look so focused that you weren't going to try to be buddy buddy with the ref. Now maybe I'm wrong. No. And but I did hated you try it. to work the refs or did you talk to them during the game? What was your relationship like with them on game day? Um, I, I would have, I, I I didn't talk to the refs, and I always hated refs. And I think it's an, like, look, we can uh, let's do our rules. Can I do the rules? Let's refs, bring it back. Refs Raja should have rules. They should have no communication with the with players before the game. They shouldn't do it because I would be down on my end warming up, and I would watch Bruce Bowen in all of his <laughs> cheesy glory run over there and just butter up every referee in the world. Like they're just having a grand old time, like smoking cigars and a snifter or a scotch at half court before the game. And you're like, what? like, no, I mean, but you know, the point being, <laughs> being like, sarcastic. they're just having, I know, a, they're like, having a great time before the game. And then they just let him get away with essentially like armed robbery, every play on the court. Mm-hmm. And, and 
I just felt like that was a conflict of interest. I never did it. I didn't want the optics to be like, you know, I'm going to go out there and butter up all these referees and chat them up before the game and then come out there and try to foul the hell out of you and expect them not to call it. So I didn't do it. Um, my relationship varied from referee to referee. Again, if a ref was cool, one of my sister's good friends named Eric Lewis, he's a referee in the NBA, he's given me plenty of texts. But we were always cool because I deserved the text. Like there would be times where I would say, you know, that's bull block right at you, you know, and expect to get the text. That's fine. I'll Did keep... most of your texts come from cursing? Most of my texts came from not not always cursing, sometimes demonstrative like body language and stuff like that. But again, these are subjective things. So like I may get away with saying that's bull stuff to 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 Eric, right? Because I didn't curse Debo out, right? I just said it's bull stuff and I'm a grown man who could do it. I might say that to Hannah and she's highly offended and and she, you know, gives me a text. So, you know, there's some frustration on a player part because from ref to ref you really don't know what you're gonna get. No doubt about it. It's, uh, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out, especially when CP3 is the president of the NBA Players Association. He's doing the criticizing. Adam Silver says he'll listen, but it's, it'll be fascinating to see how it plays out. So surprisingly, speaking of ejections, technical fouls, Kevin Durant has the most ejections this season. <laughs> but, and I think that's kind of surprising to a lot of people, but you know what isn't surprising? The fact that he continues to dominate and he had a huge milestone last night. Is KD going to get to 20,000 in the first half? There it is, and there it is! That was two nights ago. KD going 20,000 point in his career. I think he's got a really interesting legacy because it almost feels like people gave him a harder time than when LeBron went to the Heat. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe this is revisionist history because it's the most recent thing because there's no doubt LeBron took Heat for the decision. But Durant going to the super team, the Warriors, he gets crushed. And I almost feel like he's going to be – he'll get the titles, though. I wonder if he'll be like Phil Mickelson to Tiger. Because I also feel like even on his own team, the fans, not good NBA people, but the fans might look at Steph Curry as the most important player on the team when it's very clear that KD is maybe the, the second best and maybe close to surpassing LeBron as LeBron starts getting older as being the best player in the world. Yeah, that's it's interesting. I mean, LeBron was skewered when he came to the Heat, though. I yeah, mean, yeah, that's what, true. You know, I lived in in Miami at the time, and um, you know, Miami loved him. But anywhere else he went, I mean, he was public enemy number one. In Cleveland, I mean, those fans, you know, they burned jerseys, they they made urinal kegs out of his face and put him <laughs> in urinals. I mean, it was some really degrading, nasty stuff they did. So totally different vibes than what Kevin Durant had. Like, yeah, really. Like people, like Kevin Durant, I feel like got a, like a mini pass. Like people mm-hmm. hated really? on him. Yeah, they hated on him. Like they would talk about it, but the, just the level of vitriol and just general, like LeBron was an absolute villain. Yeah, the, I mean, the Heat wasn't that like super team though, so it wasn't the same. It wasn't the same thing. Yeah, before and, LeBron, right, and, right, right, right. Golden State had already won a championship. Mm-hmm. Um, had played in what was it, the three in a row or two in a row at the <laughs> time. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, Kevin Durant is a great player. Um, he is a phenomenal scorer, like one of the best scorers we've ever seen in the NBA. I don't believe him to be in the conversation with LeBron James. I mean, he's a great player, but I don't think he's nearly the the rounded player that LeBron James is. Probably a better pure scorer. But what LeBron does across the across the stat sheet um, and the way he can dominate a game, I, I I don't think that that Kevin Durant is is in that conversation. But um, yeah, he could be 
he could be at the end of the day. I mean, I, I do the math on it, but he could be maybe the greatest scorer, one of the top three greatest scorers in NBA history when it's all said and done. If he, if injuries don't, uh, you know, play a role. So I, I, there's definitely LeBron took a lot of heat, but you know what he didn't do? LeBron didn't make a pair of shoes with all the haters comments on him, which all <laughs> happened to be true. Like all those things that KD put on the true, uh, put on the shoes. All those little things that he put, those little phrases, yep. every single one of them was true. Like that's what I found ironic. He was like putting all these, this, you know, haters comments and every single one of them just criticized him for exactly what he did. Yeah. No, he, <laughs> you know? I mean, look, he, let's see, man. It was, it was, it felt like LeBron. It felt like KD's was like a business decision. And this is just my personal opinion on it. it felt like KD's was like a business decision and it felt like LeBron's was like a, uh, uh, more of like a life decision for him, mm-hmm. like at the time, you know, and maybe it was some, maybe the That's way it, it went down, like the decision and you're at the boys and girls club. And it just felt like because LeBron was from Akron that he was deciding that Akron in Northeast Ohio just wasn't good enough for him anymore. I, don't I feel know. like it was a bigger deal when he went back. When he, uh, that was huge too. Th- right? I mean, like that, that was, was more. The Heat fans didn't, the Heat fans aren't, because Heat fans aren't that great anyway. And I'm a Heat fan. <clears throat> so <laughs> I am a Heat fan, but they're, they're not as passionate as other fan bases. Let's be honest. I don't feel like, I think even Heat fans were like, oh, he's going home. Like it, that's the one place he could go. And Heat fans I weren't thrilled. And Pat Riley wasn't thrilled, but I feel like it was like, okay, he's going to go back home. I think, I think they were classier and, and, it was, look, LeBron's camp is, they're not, those guys are some shrewd dudes, man. They, they yeah. know what they're doing. They know, um, that if, you know, the one place he could go back to and not, and not feel that type of heat, forgive my pun, was Cleveland. They also know that having brought a championship to Cleveland, he can now leave whenever he wants and he's fulfilled his promise. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, they were one step ahead. Like they plan things out meticulously. Um, they strategize as well as any camp I've seen in the NBA. Like when we played, you, you just played, right? Like you, yeah. you played where <laughs> they signed you and you tried right. to win a championship and make what you could make and you kept it moving. Like these guys are like, they're planning out careers. Yep. No doubt about it. All right. Let's get to, uh, here's what's happening with Hannah. All right, guys, a tale of two halves in London yesterday as the Celtics overcame a 22-point deficit to defeat the Sixers 114-103 to at the O2 Arena. Jalen Brown led Boston with 21 points, while J.J. Redick paced Philly with 22. The game, an effort to expand the league's reach and influence across the pond. I love it. I, I love the Celts. I think they're making a move. Brad Stevens doing a phenomenal job. Jason Tatum, they got some young talent. I just wonder, without Gordon Hayward, if they can really mount a significant challenge to get deep in the playoffs. When I say deep, I mean all the way to the finals. All right, we're staying in the league as a Spurs coach for 22 seasons. Greg Popovich dealt with a career first this offseason. Pop revealed that San Antonio star LaMarcus Aldridge requested a trade over the summer. Obviously, that didn't happen, but the coach believes those conversations have helped boost L.A.'s play this year. Aldridge is averaging five more points per game and over a rebound more a night. Yeah, I think that's that's what you would call rock bottom. Like when a guy comes <laughs> to you and asks for a trade and, and like the relationship has hit uh, rock bottom. And sometimes you have to do that. Um, to build the relationship back up, to air all your dirty laundry and, and get on the same page. And, you know, Pop is as good a coach as there is ever probably in the NBA, and he's a great dude on top of that. So I think once they were able to get all cards on the table, um, they were able to then start building the relationship and figuring it out, and it's been fruitful. Now over to the NFL. Now, Le'Veon Bell not requesting a trade, but does say he's prepared to sit out for an entire season or even retire if the Steelers franchise tagged him. Again, he says he simply wants Pittsburgh to value him and wants the money to reflect that. 
He just wants a big fat new check. That's what he wants. And good for him for doing it because you have no leverage. So him threatening to retire, that's exactly what he's doing. I think he's only 25 years old. He doesn't want to hang it up, but he has to have something to hold in his back pocket in case the Steelers call his bluff just like they did this past season. And, guys, last but certainly not least, we can classify Richard Sherman as outspoken. That's pretty fair. Well, the Seahawks corner was speaking about the league's concussion protocol yesterday, calling it a, quote, joke. In a Q&A with the Players' Tribune, Sherman said, it's for public opinion for them to show the public that they care about the players, they care about player safety. Um, I wish I could elaborate on that or give, but, uh, yeah, he's absolutely, I mean, mm-hmm. he's right, right? Like, there's, it's it's a subjective thing. You go into a tent, they ask you a few questions. Um I've taken the concussion protocol, the baseline, and then, like, the questions aren't that hard. Uh, I, I just – it is a joke. You, you got Russell Wilson coming back before he clears concussion protocol, and, and it's a slap on the wrist type of fine for that. Like, how could you say you're serious about it? It's I, – I have such a problem with this one because Richard Sherman loves to be vocal. He loves on all the popular issues. I feel like he does it because he knows it's going to get traction. I don't know what more the NFL can do. Because I get it. It does look good for the public, and a lot of that is is for the heat that they've taken. I think it is from the media and players themselves. Yes, they could have Rick, um, Russell Wilson in the tent longer, but in a situation like happened with Cam Newton just a couple weeks ago when he comes over and takes a knee and he, they're getting skewered for that, he was reviewed. It's just such an unknown area. We don't know the science behind what exactly is the concussion? What is the level of concussion? How long should we keep that player out? I almost feel like the only way this is going to get resolved is if the players sign a waiver that says, I know I know all the risks, and I know we're trying to do the best, but I'm going to sign this waiver and free anybody of liability. And when I say anybody, I mean the NFL. That really feels like the only way this is going to get resolved in the end. Uh, but no doubt it's a popular discussion yeah. among players and parents of young players too. So I, that's – you know, like I – I don't have a problem um, with the actual like protocol itself, right? Like I, I, right. I, I don't. But but my point is like it's pretty it's pointless because you can't really like unless it's a really really bad concussion where a guy is like you know spazzing out and having a seizure and he mm-hmm. can't remember anything going on. The rest of that is all gray area, right? So yeah, it's it's it really is. it is a really hard thing to identify. So to have some like production over there on the sideline. Where you're just gonna go, hey, buddy, you know, like that—that's the point that bothers me. Like, I, that's the part that bothers me. I mean, I, right? I know you have to do something, but it, to to the point you made earlier, Danny, like, how the hell do you know in some of the instances whether it's a mild concussion or the guy just, you know, the guy just got his bell rung and he's and he just takes him a second to 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 get his faculties about him. It's just really hard. Who was and it? And that's Who? the hardcore. The hardcore concussion pro- proponents would say, if you have that hit that you're talking about, Raja, that ding where you shake your head and it's gone. The hardcore concussion, um, you know, I don't, there's not, cause I don't know, how, I don't know what the right term is, but those people would say that player has to leave the game. And that's where I don't know. I honestly don't know. Maybe that is the best thing. I know I did it routinely and maybe I have CT. I don't know. Um, you know, I got hit and my bell was wrong all the time, but I feel like there are guys that can do it and go back in and be fine. That's why. Like, wait till that happens with Tom Brady and he gets his, quote, bell rung and they won't let him get in the big game. He'll go ballistic. And so will Patriots fans, right. for that matter. Because everybody's all about safety until it's your player that's taken off the field and your team loses. Then all of a sudden people won't be so concerned about, you know, the player safety so much. That's It's a very, you know, controversial topic, no doubt. There's also another one 
which I think is a joke. Uh, and it's the Rooney rule. It's the Raiders are being investigated now. It's, it was, I think it was applied or instituted in the beginning with really good intentions. And it was in order to get minorities hired and get them head coaching opportunities. But it's become a joke. And but why, what I mean by saying that is the Raiders clearly had John Gruden pegged. They had a deal done. It was done before he was done working with ESPN. They had the numbers discussed. And then, like, they're supposed to go interview five candidates and have one of them be a minority. I think that's insulting to the minority candidate because he knows he doesn't have an opportunity. I wish there was some way we could just get it done, say hire more minority coaches. But I don't know if the Rooney rule is the best way to do it. And if you think it's bad in the NFL, it's even worse in college football where there is no Rooney rule. And there clearly is a disparity. There needs to be more African-American head coaches. And I don't know the solution, but the Rooney rule, which is always praised, I don't think it's the best rule in place because it's sort of becoming a joke. Yeah, I don't know the Rooney rule, um, the ins and outs of it. Um, you know, if you're going to have an open search for a coach, then I agree with having some sort of, you know, some sort of policy in place to protect. Because, I mean, it was there wasn't too long ago where black men didn't play quarterback. Because right. they didn't think that they could handle it, right? So, like, this is just another level of that, right? This is just one level up on the food chain. Now we're talking about, you know, coaching and general managing and, and, and stuff like that. So we're, you know, in order for progress to be made, like, you're going to have to figure out a way to include potential candidates in the in the pools uh, with open with op- with job openings. This one wasn't an open job situation. They weren't on the open market. So then it does become a silly thing to call in people of any color, creed, you know, whatever, to have them just come in there as a formality when you know you're hiring John Gruden. That's just silly all the way around. Um, I don't, I don't have the answer for it. I don't know. Like I, but, but, you know, I, I do believe, and I'm in the camp that, you know, uh, there are plenty of players that have played, that have done their homework, that have worked their way up coaching staffs, that have been grad assistants, that are really bright young minds that should be running teams somewhere and they happen to be black. Right. And it's so the Raiders GM, Reggie McKenzie, he said he interviewed two minority candidates before Gruden was hired, but it's before the hiring was announced. That's the thing. Like, so they brought in their tight end coach, Bobby Johnson, and they brought in USC offensive coordinator, T. Martin. It's almost like they said, hey, who's close and can get here? We can get him in for a quick meeting and say we interviewed for the job. That's the problem so I terrible. have with it. Like, it's just, it looks like a sham just to meet some requirement. I wish they would actually consider people. But clearly, like Mark Davis said, they've been trying to get Gruden since 2011. So that right. was their guy. They yeah. wanted him. And the crazy thing about this is Al Davis, I know it's the Rooney rule, named after um, Rooney, that's the owner of the Steelers. But Al Davis was always a proponent. He had Art Shell as a head coach. He was one of the first to hire a black head coach. Uh, he's had women in positions as CEO. Amy Trask was their CEO for a long time, and he was at the forefront of that. So it's not like I feel like the, the Raiders are some serial offenders of this rule. But in this situation, it's just like, why, you know, if they're just going jumping through hoops just to meet the requirement, it just looks kind of silly uh, when it's all said and done. All right, let's do, uh, let's make the people some money. All right. Although if you pay attention to our picks, they might be barely treading water, but let's do some picks and props, Debo. What do you got for us? Maybe make people some money. (laughs) Probably not. So, hey, and as all of these, you need to listen to our picks and select the best ones. You don't want to bet every game or else you'd be losing. That's, that's not good gambling advice. Good point. Good point. The records at this point, Danny with a lot more games picked over Raja, but Danny eight, ten, and one. 
Raja is four six and one. Ugh. I just want to point out that when I fade your picks, I'm three and zero. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna do picks and props for the divisional round. For the first time in NFL history, the top seed is an underdog in the divisional round, and that's the Eagles. The Falcons are three point favorites, but guys, how much is Philly gonna win by? All right, Debo. <laughs> I he's know got you're his, not going to hey, like he's got this. his Eagles shirt on he right does, now. He does. Philly boy <laughs> over there is not going to like this. All right, Debo. So this is my – I don't know if we have a bench warmer pick of the week or lock of the week. This would be my lock of the week, but I'm saying it's the home team Eagles are the team that's going to win. So you'll love it. I think this – I think the, <laughs> the, the demise of Nick Foles has been greatly exaggerated. He is not as bad as he's shown the last two weeks, and he's not as great as he was when he threw 27 touchdowns and two interceptions, clearly, but he's somewhere in the middle. I love the home field dog in the regular season, and I love it even more in the playoffs. So I'm saying take the Eagles to not only cover, but to win outright. Oh, I'm, that's a fade. I'm fading that all day. And I, <laughs> I like the Eagles. I got family in Philly. Like I played with the Sixers, but the Falcons, Matty Ryan, Julio Jones, they're coming to play, man. I do, I do not love Nick Foles. Um, I don't, I don't I, love him either. I like him kind of. I I like oh, him. you love him. You love him. You love him. That was like he just professed love. It's like a forceful love, though. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> like everyone has to love him now. Like they don't want to. I'm fading Danny. I'm taking the, I'm taking the other birds. Uh-oh. All these uh, <laughs> all these lines and spreads, according to sportsbook.ag, and on their site, 61% of the money is on the Falcons, so which I'm is wrong. no surprise. I just have to say, yesterday I was running errands, and I was wearing a Bills hat, and so many people were screaming at me about, like, they were like, oh, a Bills fan? Really? Go Eagles. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Like, how that? is that a thing? I'm not kidding. That happened, like, three times. I mean, people made so many weird comments about my Bills hat, I don't was understand. Was that in the CBS offices? No. A Birds fans no, here. it wasn't. There's so many Eagles fans here, but um, I was, like, I was flabbergasted at how many people were just, like, you know, they had one opportunity <laughs> Say go Eagles. go Eagles. And they took it with my Bills ad. Anyway. Danny going with the upset. Raja picking the favorite Falcons. The prop on this one. Now, Philadelphia not necessarily known for hosting a lot of celebrity fans. It's definitely not Staples Center. But they've developed a super fan this year in Angels star Mike Trout. So, the prop on this one. More on-screen cutaways during the broadcast. Carson Wentz up in the owner's booth. Obviously injured. Minus five and a half appearances versus Mike Trout on screen. Danny, what you got? Oh, man, this is tough. So it has to, for Carson Wentz to win, he has to get more than five and a half. Right, so say and they show Trout. he's not on the field. He's in the booth. He's in the owner's box is where he's sitting. He, yeah, he'll, he won't be on the field. I doubt I'll take it. Wentz. I'll take Wentz. Because they got, they have, he's the story of the game. I get it, mm-hmm. Mike Trout is super fan, but he's only going to get two or three cutaways. So Wentz have is to get, easily get So Wentz six. would have to get seven? Eight or nine. Eight or nine? Okay, so he'd have to get five and a half more than Mike Trout gets. Right. Mike Trout got five. He'd have to get ten and a half. He'd have to get eleven. Right. Right. Jeez. Uh, I'm going to go with Mike Trout. Just because, I mean, I, I, they're gonna cut away. I'm just going to fade everything Danny says. Because, like, <laughs> Be careful. Like, I did that. I, it didn't I, work out for you? No. But he's eight and ten. Like, I'm fading him. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm fading him. Next up, the Patriots, nearly two touchdown favorites against the Titans. Not quite. 13-and-a-half is the line that game in Gillette Stadium on Saturday in primetime. This one, some crazy money on the Patriots. 73% of the public is siding in favor of the defending Super Bowl champions. Where do you guys side? 
Go ahead, Raja. I'll take this one. I'm taking the Titans to cover it. Yeah, I like, look. Smart man. Yeah, man. Thank you, brother. Um, Gillette Stadium, not going to be dumb cold, going to be in the 40s. Um, Tom Brady, although he had a fabulous, like, start to the season, the stats through December, like, like, I, I don't, like, not that great. Like, he's, look, Tom is 40, is he 40 right now? Yeah. 40. He's 40. Um, any 40 year old in any major sport, as, as the season progresses, there's a level of fatigue that creeps in. I'm not saying he's fallen off and he can't play quarterback anymore and stuff like that, but it's just a long season. No, and he's so, fallen off. He it, can't play. <laughs> there you go. I, I'll ride with that. Like, it, you're not going to take a lot to push me. I, I hate the, I hate the Pats, but I just, I feel like Marcus Mario, the Titans, um, are, are going to have some success there. I don't know that they're not going to beat the Patriots, but I don't think they're going to get, I don't think they're going to lose by two touchdowns. All right. Listen, Tommy is going to be just fine. But they're not gonna, they're not gonna win by two touchdowns or more. So I'm gonna say the Titans cover. This spread is way too big and the amount of money on the Patriots is the sole reason. Everybody thinks they're, and they, they are. They're Super Bowl favorites. Everybody thinks they're, I don't think any of it has to do with off the field issues, storylines, his guy getting kicked out, his trainer. I think this is strictly about the numbers. I think it's too big a number in this game. So I'm taking the Titans. All right, we're going to keep track. I'm going to fade you guys. I'm going to see if I can remain <laughs> perfect in that sense. <laughs> Danny and Raja both go with the Titans. The prop on this one, will Alex Guerrero, Danny, you mentioned Tom Brady's trainer, will Alex Guerrero's facility be blocked <laughs> on Sunday? Yes is minus 300, no plus 190. We remember the story with Jimmy G a couple weeks ago trying to get treatment. The doors were locked. <laughs> will it be this Sunday, the day well, after the game? Are you insinuating that Brian Hoyer could be playing and that he'll need treatment? <laughs> his, his facility will be open on Monday. I don't even know what it means, but it'll be open. No, it's going to be locked. Oh, it's Sunday. Hold on. It's Sunday. It'll be closed. Yeah, it'll be locked for sure. No, it'll be open because he's not allowed in the facility anymore, is he? And Brady <laughs> might need a little rehab. It, it's the day after to treat player. You know, who knows? Oh, it's open. It's open. It's, it's closed. Yeah, it's definitely open. It's open. <laughs> All right. I'm going with this closed. Guys, I would just die for the Titans to win this game. Like, I would die. You're a Pats well, hater. Well, yeah, you're Bill's Mafia. You have to hate the Pats. Right? Like, Marcus do you think Mariota it could happen at all? Catching, if Mariota keeps catching touchdown passes to himself, then, yes, they might win. So that's the only circumstance Dagger, under which they win Dagger, if he can throw another Dagger. touchdown pass to himself. Yeah, yes. for sure. Plus 650 is the Titans' money line. So there's a little bit of value there, but <laughs> not great odds. Uh, moving on to the Sunday games, sticking in the AFC. A rematch of week five earlier in the season. And the Jaguars tore apart Ben Roethlisberger to the tune of five interceptions and a 30-9 victory. Despite that, the Steelers favored by seven and a half in this one. The money slightly on Jacksonville. I'm going to lean towards the Steelers. I, they, they do have a little bit of a revenge factor. Ben, a couple weeks ago, said he'd love to play the Jags. But more importantly, I watched that Jaguars offense struggle. I think they're going to struggle again. Blake Bortles scares me to death in the playoffs. I think the I think the Steelers are winning, running away. So I think the Steelers are cover. I'm fading Danny again. Is, <laughs> is there another way that I can say fade? Is there like is there is there another way? I just Gambling feel like I'm terminology. Fading. Uh Danny, that's a good is question. There? I'm thought I'll think one. We'll make up our own. I'm fading him again. Uh I Steelers have been talking way too much junk. Like they've just been mm-hmm. running their mouths. And I, I I tend to agree with you, Danny. Like you gotta put up some points and the Jags aren't gonna be able to do that. But the defense is really, really it's really nasty, especially that pass D. So I, I have them. Um, uh, I don't think the Jags will win, but I have them covered. I like when you guys disagree. That's good. You like That's that, good huh? For the brand. Like, there we go. Good for the brand. I hope the Jags <laughs> win. 
Why? All these underdogs. Just you, just underdogs. I, I usually root for the underdog too. I don't have a problem with you rooting for the underdog. That's it's cool. better when like your team loses to the team that wins everything. You know what I mean? So I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping the Jags win the Super Bowl now. <laughs> so Raja on the Jags, Danny on the Steelers. The prop on this one, and I have to do it after last week when we talked about the Jaguars prop. I had Nathan Peterman and Blake Bortles a interception comparison, and I said if Peterman comes in, I said for ten seconds he will throw a pick. Wasn't 10 <laughs> seconds, but it was three plays, and he won that prop. So this week, we're gonna go with the Steelers backup. Who will throw for more interceptions? Blake Bortles minus one and a half versus Landry Jones. This is really a good prop, actually, because Big Ben is not as mobile as he used to be, and that Jaguars defense is pretty filthy. Um, but I'm gonna say Blake Bortles doesn't do, doesn't have any interceptions because I don't think they're going to ask him to throw the football very much. Last week, he rushed for more yards than he threw for. So I think Bortles uh, is going to, his exposure to interceptions is going to be minimal. So I'm going to say Bortles on this one. Pete Prisco was in the facility this weekend in Jacksonville and said the Jaguars plan to throw more, which shocked oh us boy. on the Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I need That's to change ridiculous. my answer then. Blake Bortles is going to throw the ball nine times this weekend. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be terrible. Um, I, I'll go, I'll go with Blake Bortles just because I, I, I think that Big Ben survives the game. I don't think he comes out. You think Bortles could throw two picks? I think, uh, Bortles could throw two picks. Uh, no, I'll go. So wait, so. Blake Bortles would have to throw two if Landry doesn't get in the game. Right. Throws none. All right. Forgive me. I'm trying to, um, no, I'll go with Landry because I don't think Blake's going to throw it that much. I don't think, I think if he throws one, they're going to shut him completely down to throw five balls this weekend. I think I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I agree with you. Shut that down. Hannah, you're still getting over Peterman. (laughs) You over it? No, of course not. Who's going to be the Bills starter next year? Not Tyrod. Uh, Alex Smith. Alex Smith. I like Alex Smith. Alex Smith, Smith is a possibility. The starter next year. And I think it'll dope. be really good for him, too. What about Case Keenum? Case Keenum, I think, is still a little bit shady. If you put him on a team where they need him to do a little more, I think he could get exposed. I think the smarter sign would be Alex Smith. You think Got Alex it. Smith would be good in Buffalo? I do. I think he would. All right. He, he's a, I think he's a great quarterback. I think nobody gives him any love. Kirk Cousins That's also, true. too. But I don't, I don't like Kirk Cousins in that weather. You know, Alex Smith is <laughs> a little more mobile. Doesn't Kirk Cousins want to go to Cleveland now? Does he? He wants to go wherever he can get a long-term deal. It's good for him for doing it. All right, so Raja mentioned Case Keenum. That's a good segue into the final game of the weekend and probably on paper the best game of the weekend. The Vikings are five-point favorites at home versus the New Orleans Saints. The Vikings, an incredible 11-5 and against the spread this season. Raja, can they keep it going? I think the Vikings win. I think they win at home, but I don't see them covering the five points. I think it's going to be a tight ball game. I think they win by three. Um, so I'm going to take the Saints. I am with you. I think the Saints go all the way to the Super Bowl. I think they win this game in Minnesota. I know Minnesota's 11-5, and five, as, as Debo mentioned, but I like Drew Brees. With a running attack, and if Minnesota's able to shut down that run game, you still have Drew Brees' ability to throw the ball vertically down the field. So I like uh, the Saints here with some experience and playing in the toughest division in football all season uh, all season long. I like the Saints in this spot. Raja, who's your pick out of the NFC at this point? Out of the NFC at this point, uh, I'm I'm taking the Vikings. I like the Vikings to to, uh, to make it to the Super Bowl. I do, I do. I think this. I think the winner of this game probably is your best bet eh. because you, <laughs> you're still hanging on to the Philly, the Eagles love with Foles. That'd be a great story. It By the way, don't forget about the, the Super Bowl jinx, and that's going to be a part of our prop. 
but no team that's host been the host city for the Super Bowl has ever made it to the Super Danny, Bowl. Danny, you spoiled the prop. I was oh, my God. Go ahead. Did, what did, is it? did you know that the Super Bowl is in Minnesota, and for the first time, a team could play at home during the Super Bowl? Did you know? I, I, not now. I do. Now All right. I do. Well, how many times during the broadcast do you think that's mentioned? Over or under four times? Over. Over. Way over. I'm yeah, you double that. Too. Yeah. Broadcasters are sucker for those storylines that they think everybody wants to hear. Yeah. Hannah, we were talking the other day about sporting events, ones that we would like to attend, and you mm-hmm. said that you haven't been to many. Would you want mm-hmm. to go to a Super Bowl in Minnesota? Yeah. Sign me up. What else am in I doing? In February? No, you don't. <laughs> so I don't care. I go to the Super Bowl for the parties, not for the actual game. Exactly. Right. You don't have to spend much time outside. Yeah, you just go, like, you go for Shout the parties. Shut from place to place. Yeah. Here's what the one thing that Minnesota has going for it. They do have a lot of those connected buildings, either by tunnels or... Yeah, the skywalks. Like, yeah, skywalks. Yeah. So you don't, your exposure to outside air can be limited if you know where you're going. So I think it, but it's... It is not a good place for a Super Bowl. We can all just be honest about it. Like, it is not going to be. I don't know. I'd have to disagree because I think Buffalo would be a great place for a Super Bowl. But Oh, my gosh. I can't Like, who cares about the weather? It's fine. It makes it more fun. Everybody who wants to go take a vacation to watch the Super Bowl, everybody. You're saying that (laughs) Buffalo as a city is fun? Yo, Buffalo has the the best food in the entire world. Wings. Everybody. (laughs) No, no, no. It's like Uh, they have the. No, not only wings. Shut her down. Not Whenever only they wings. Think cuisine, they think of buffalo wings. Beef on weck. What? Oh, Lord, I'm gonna, I gotta educate you guys on music and food. And food, apparently, beef on weck. Beef on weck. Is that a it's song? It's a sandwich. It's a sandwich. <laughs> right, one, one more quick prop before we move on to our yep. bench warmer of the week and our five star Q and A. Danny, we mentioned how you know broadcasts are sometimes corny and they're going to talk about Minnesota a lot. There's an opening on Monday Night Football at ESPN. Who do you think replaces John Gruden? Who do you guys? Who would you like to see? Who do you think it's going to be? Oh, that's a. I don't. I hope they go somewhere completely off the grid, like somebody we're not thinking of. You want to hear some like, of the names that are being mentioned? I I've read some of them. Who do you Who do you got for me? Peyton Manning, Kurt no, Warner. That's way too. That's way too normal. Like that's uh, and Peyton will probably be great at it. But I think it'd be way too normal. I want to see something out of the box. What else you got? Uh, Kurt Warner, Randy Moss, Matt Hasselbeck, Rex Ryan, Steve Young, Lewis Riddick. Um, out of those uh, names, the only one that would make me watch is Rex Ryan. But let's just say he wasn't the best when he did his game in week one because he did a late game and it looked like his prep was lacking. But I would love for him to go in there with his – like guns ablazing with his because he gives some strong opinions. That would be the only one that I would like to see out of that group. I like Lewis Riddick. I don't know why he does a good. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's got the personality to carry it. Like, is there? I think he would be a very serious broadcast, right? Which most of those guys would take it very straight line serious. I like a broadcast where it's a little bit more fun. I think that's why everybody loves Madden as one of the greatest of all time you, because he knew what he was talking about, but yet he had a lot of fun while he was doing it. You too. think Randy would be straight line? Uh, Randy could be good if he'd open up a little bit. Right. But yeah, I, I like Randy. I think Randy would be a good hire. That, that would be a fun listen for sure. All right. So we have a new one here. We'll get it real quick. We're going to award our bench warmer of the week. It's a new award we're going to give. Maybe we'll mail all the winners a little bronze bench, like a little bench on the side as uh, with their name on it like with that. a little plaque. That could be the award. Uh, no doubt who's winning this one. It's Tua Tonga Valoa. 
the backup quarterback for Alabama, comes in the game, plays the hero. And not only is he going to be bench warmer of the week, he's going to be the Heisman Trophy winner next year. I'm calling it now. Yo. He's a stud. He's that good, Raja. He's a stud. Tonga Valoa. Hey, yeah, he looks like a bad boy. Yeah. Hey, nominate. So our- he does. He just looks like, he just looks like he's going to be a boss. Nominate yeah. your bench warmers of the week to us on Twitter at Canel and Bell, and we'll put up a poll each week to decide our bench warmer of the week. All right. Let's do some five star Q&A. It's Friday, but Hannah, do you want to, do you want to give him a little talking to or should I? Oh, I our- want to hear what you have to say. What is so that? Our bench warmers need to step it up on the yes. five star Q&A. And you'll see what I mean because we promised we'd answer them. But we need some more fun questions. We can't get we can't get too football-y or basketball-y. We need to have some fun on these. These questions are such a snooze fest. Y'all really need to step it up. I want some, like, personal questions. Like, this is your chance to humiliate everyone in this room. Why, exactly. why just beat around the bush? All right, yeah. so let's get into it, and we're going to go through these really quickly <clears throat> because, like I mentioned, they are a snooze fest. So Mav <laughs> Pitch said, any chance of Paul George staying in OKC? If so, what will it take? Um, uh, slight chance that Paul George stays in OKC, but they'll have to finish. I mean, they're 500 right now. They will have to they will have to be a over 75% win team the second half of the season and make it to the Western Conference Finals. Otherwise, he's out. Ditto. All right. Rob from ATL has three questions. He says, Raja, is there any way to get rid of flopping in the NBA? No. <laughs> is there is there even a reason to watch the NBA until the second round of playoffs if I'm not a fan of the best five teams? Uh, yeah, because there's some really good young players out there. There's some storylines on bad teams. Um, and part of the fun of the NBA is is watching these kids when they're young before they become stars and trying to figure out who will become a star. So, yeah, sure. Tune For sure. In. I think that's a dumb question. I want to know who this guy's team is. Oh, obviously, Atlanta. Okay, <laughs> no, That's sorry. our guy. Shout out to Robert, though. I'm He's sorry. Robert. 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 Robert's the dude. Robert, thank you for the three questions. I appreciate it. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to show you mad love right now. I didn't mean that was a stupid question. Danny. I meant, like, represent your team and strong and stay proud. Danny, this <laughs> is Florida State turtleneck kid. Oh, we, then this guy, we got to get him on turtleneck. the show. He's been that much of a loyal yeah. bench warmer. Yep. There we go. Why is he turtleneck? He wears turtlenecks. To oh, my God. Yes. Danny. Is he Diane Keaton? That's okay. fantastic. He's a 23-year-old <laughs> hey, Danny. don't rip turtlenecks, Hannah. <laughs> I'm just saying. All right. Uh, last question from Robin ATL. He says, Danny, as an Atlanta resident who is attending the national championship, will you chug a beer with me? A little late on this one. Exactly. But I would have <laughs> if we would have gotten it to me on time. Absolutely. Maybe I would have had a vodka tonic. But a beer, either way, I would have sat down with our boy Rob, especially since he's loyal to the show. Listen, Rob has to come in, turtleneck and all. We'll all sport turtlenecks that day. And you can chug a beer with Danny in studio. There we go. Wow. I don't really have permission to say this, but I'm going to pretend I do. (laughs) Um, Okay, this is like the best question of all time. (laughs) GoDogs559 says, Danny, I remember you calling Boise State versus Fresno in Fresno a couple years ago. What do you think of Fresno State's turnaround this year? Impressive. Brilliant. Brilliant. That's all I needed. Thank you so much. That was the best thing I've ever heard. Okay. 080969. Wait a second. Who uses a number for a name? I don't know. I think this might be a computer. Okay. This computer said, can you give a few of your best stories from being at FSU behind the scenes stuff? Uh, My favorite story was when I was living at Burt Reynolds Hall. That's where our athletic dorm was. And it was just football players. And this was kind of my like, this is crazy. My first two days, I was exhausted. Mentally, you're taxed because you're trying to learn a playbook. Physically, you're going to two, two and a half, three hour practices a day. You don't have any free time. You're meeting till about 930 at night. I get back to my dorm at 930. I hit the sack at 10. I'm sleeping. And all of a sudden outside, I hear all this commotion. I'm like, there's yelling. There's kind of like noise. And everybody's like, you got to come outside and see this. I'm like, what is going on? So I go outside, 
and there's probably about half the team, 50 players are out in the street, <laughs> and they were conducting races to see who was the fastest player on the team. Clifton Abraham was racing Corey Sawyer. They had blocked off the road. They weren't letting traffic go by and conducting 40-yard dashes. And I was like, out, at the same time, I was like, what are these guys nuts because aren't they tired? But then I was like, this is awesome. Like, this is competition at its best. Dudes just wanted to find out who was the fastest on the team, and they were going to do it at 1045 at night during two-a-days. That's awesome. That's a good story. That is a good story. That is a good story. Okay, Jared Bailey. This is a quick one. He says, I have a theory about a possible NFL draft day trade. Jets find a way to swap the sixth and fourth picks with the Browns and Sam Darnold and in return, the Browns select Minka Fitzpatrick after selecting Saquon Barkley with the first pick. Thoughts? I'm confused. I can't follow that one. I'm telling you, the best draft is if the Browns take Saquon Barkley at one, take Baker Mayfield at four, and say, come stop us. That's my draft day philosophy this I hear year. that, brother. Yeah. That'll work. Okay, so Jake Ford 7 said, when are you going to have Ryan on the show? Also, who benches more, you or Russicillo? All right, my man Jake, where were you listening? We had Rosillo on like a month ago. Go through the archives. Go back and listen to him. And, of course, he benches more. Have you looked at the dude? He's barrel-chested. Of course it's him. All right, I'm not frustrated at all, though. Okay, this is a good one. Midwest Cam says, I'm not a parent yet. This is an interesting concern for someone who's not even a parent yet. Okay. I'm not a parent yet, but y'all both are, so I'm wondering, are there things you silently hoped your kids wouldn't get into to interest-wise? What? So you wouldn't have to go to those events, act like you care, spend money on, etc. I know the PC. What does PC mean? Politically correct. Oh, I know the politically correct and probably truthful answer <laughs> is you'll support them no matter what, but let's keep it real between us. So what basically, got, what are things you, yeah, you don't um, remember to? I exposed both my kids to T-ball very early, and I hated it. And so I was really praying that neither one of them would want to play baseball because it what? is just so boring and slow at the young age when they're playing T-ball and they only let them go from one base to the other. So that, that one sucked. Um, and then my wife wanted them to learn how to dance. So she was like, let's put them in some hip-hop dance classes. And I was like, under no circumstances will my kids be going into hip-hop dance because I am not going to watch them dance at halftime of some, like, Miami Heat game. No, it's not happening. My kids, I was so afraid that my kids were going to be, like, on the dancing. No, absolutely not. Okay, I did all these things. I have to just say, first of all, T-ball was my very first sport, and I wanted to be in it so badly I joined the all-boys team. And guess where I was? I was the pitcher. I was the pitcher. (laughs) That's a very important important position in T-ball, though, because the balls come right back to the pitcher. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. whatever. They didn't. No. (laughs) all the plays. So I have a slightly different reason for the hip-hop classes because my wife wanted to do it. My daughters, I have all girls. They were begging me to do it. It's way too sexual. I don't want my daughters out there learning all these moves where they're shaking their booty booty shaking and stuff. Right. No, I hear you. Exactly. I don't want them doing all that garbage. I didn't want my sons doing it. (laughs) As far as sports go – and I know this might not be good for Raja's wife, who was an incredible soccer player in college. My wife was a soccer player and won some national championships in high school. But soccer, <laughs> I did not want to have to watch soccer games. I don't know if there's a more boring sport to watch. And not only that, but in every sport nowadays. I don't know what it is now. It used to be on the weekends. I'd have one game, maybe two. Now... At 9 and 10 years old, they're having these all-day affairs where you play jamborees and you play 18 games in one oh, day. No. So you're there, and you have to be there at 7 a.m. and you don't leave till 6 p.m. at night. No, it's no, no. ridiculous. But I would say soccer is the one sport. The other one that my daughter does, and I'm not too pumped about it now that I've been to a bunch of them, 
is swimming. Swim and meets. I love swimming. It's but it's it's a hard watch. And swim meets. They're another one that take forever yeah, to get done. Day. Yeah, all day. Oh my gosh! Yeah. I now like my mind is racing of things. I need to call my parents and thank them. <laughs> like I did, soccer was the one sport I quit though. So I maybe soccer. that was their gift. I quit too because it was too boring. It was too boring, and I couldn't run too much. I was like enough. You guys are crazy. <laughs> I, I think this is a discussion we should have on future shows too. I like this. Yeah, show. I agree. I like this one. Thank you, Midwest Cam. Yeah, way to finish strong, Midwest. So, do you guys Cam. have any questions? Do I, <laughs> Raja doesn't have Twitter, so he wouldn't have any questions. I know you. We, 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 I think we Listen, took care of that, right? Like you. No, you, I was said I was going to make you a Twitter, correct. but I haven't done so yet. Oh, all right, but like you're, we're in the process of we'll get it we're getting that. Yeah. We're, we're going to get uh, it done. Oh, we don't want we don't got we don't want Raja to get triggered on Twitter because I can see that happening easily. <laughs> him getting a little ticked off at somebody and just going after him. We don't want to do that. I'm going to have to start writing my I'm, own questions. Yeah, you should. Come I am. I'm going to leave my own five star reviews. And I'm going to write some really scandalous questions. <laughs> Perfect. To, to let oh listeners know, you're able to leave a review more than once. So yes. if you've left a bad one, leave a better one. If you haven't left one, you can leave three good ones for us. And if you leave a bad one, we're not answering your question. Yeah, awesome. we promise. All right. So at least we finished with a stronger one on our five-star Q&A on Friday. But uh, that's a wrap. I got to get to my tea time. Good Wish luck. me luck. I'm going to need it. Me and my man Johnny Damon are going to be out there. There probably will be some alcohol consumed. I don't know how that's going to affect my bottom yeah. line score. A lot of times, you know, that does loosen you up a little bit. A little swig oil. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, Tell we'll Chris Harrison that. hello. Tell him that we have well, a candidate for the next season of The Bachelor in the room, and it's not me. Fun. It's You're I'm going to hook it up. <laughs> Hannah's Bachelorette number 27. No, it's not me. It's Eric. <laughs> What? No, it's you. Hannah, you are the new Bachelorette. That'll be uh, happening soon as soon as I get it done with with Chris Harrison. And happy birthday uh, to Hannah. Oh, that's right. Happy birthday to Hannah. Happy birthday. Have fun this weekend. Happy birthday, Hannah. Thanks, guys. All right. Enjoy the games. We'll have a reaction on Monday. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Check us out on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere there are podcasts. We are pretty much there. Leave us a five-star review on the iTunes page. Make sure you ask us a question on there. We will answer them no matter how good or bad they were, as you saw from some of those questions today. And leave us some feedback on at Canel and Bell on Twitter. Again, it is not me. It's the show account. So don't cuss out Eric, who runs the, <laughs> who runs our social media page. All right. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a great weekend.